Hello, everyone. In greetings to all of you, and I hope we're all giving time for ourselves to enjoy our families and friends, no matter what's going on. Okay, and uh, it's like a collaborative effort and doing all the frequency to be joyful in spite of all our challenges. So eternal greetings and absolute love and humility to all of you who's been doing the work for truth and freedom. And may we continue to be healthy so that we can pursue and do what we need to do, okay? Because without each and everyone's effort, then we might be just talking to the wall or say, and then we end up not being in a position where we could fully express ourselves. And at this live stream will be uploaded in Quantum Nurse Bitchute and at uh, an other podcast, uh, like for for uh, Roy. Roy has all the Bitchute account as well. And so you'll see it there. And then we have other collaborations with other podcasters and then we put it up and also at the Rumble and Earth Heroes TV with Sasha. And we thank everyone who's been helping us promote this. And of course, we're so thankful to all our guests from local, from national, and then the international guests and for everything that you do. And we are very excited today because for all those past two years, and even with that, we've been saying we're what's happening with the mainstream media why are they not helping us spread the truth and so at some point most of us i stopped listening to mainstream media and when i heard about christy lee i'm so excited to say i'm going to reach out to her so thank you christy for being here you're welcome i'm just getting the word out just like you are <laughs> trying to get people to listen and so Christy Lee has over 20 years of um, being in the news and being a, an anchor. So she's really like the, you know, she has, she, she has her dream come true already, if I may say. And being in at a TV news anchor, she's got it made, okay? And so I was wondering, and maybe Christy, you could start with that. How did you see yourself as a journalist when you were just starting to be a journalist? And then what made you shift and say, okay, like I'm changing my, my I'm changing my life, I'm changing my work. And so it's, it's like you let go of things that could have made you be financially secure. Well, I, when I first entered, you know, as many do in the business, you so badly want to break in because it's such a small percentage of people that actually end up making it on TV out of those that go to school for broadcast journalism. So what what's crazy about it is uh, many people that are breaking into television news, they make very, very little as far as money goes. Um, so you really need the support to try and make that work. And uh, my childhood dream job was to be a news anchor and particularly a news anchor of my hometown news that I grew up watching. <clears throat> and it's just incredible that I was able to achieve that. And of course, that wasn't a straight line. There was disappointments and failures and worries along the way, but it was just so neat when I finally uh, got that job as the news anchor, the lead anchor for the news station in the town that I grew up. 
um, great honor. And it was just neat to look back and be like, wow, God really put me here, you know, because I know I didn't do it myself. And so um, definitely was grateful for that. And that was the, the goal. But then it went after I had I'd been in that position for a few years, I had grown up in my hometown, gone to school, college in my hometown and reported the news for over a decade in my hometown. And I was like, this isn't like me to be stagnant, if you will. Like, I, I feel like I need to challenge myself more. My kids are getting older. If I don't do something now and make a, a change, it's not going to happen. Um, so I just felt really led to to explore other areas and um, see what different news markets were like. And so I had a New York agent and um, California was really interested and headed out there and was uh, reporting news in California right when the pandemic hit. So I was the lead anchor out there in the Central Valley of California and the pandemic had just hit. And so here I was thinking I was going to have maybe some new topics to talk about because I'd moved across the country. I'm from born and raised in Ohio. And then here I was in California thinking like, oh, there might be new, some new things to talk about and different things to explore. And then here I was repeating the same thing that every other news anchor across the nation was. It was either the election or what was happening with the pandemic on repeat. But what really became uncomfortable is just the difference in how the news was being disseminated. Now, I feel like and people have said, oh, news has always had its its faults and and its drawbacks but this was at a level i'd never seen before um and it was it, to me it was a very stark contrast so traditional journalism you go and you talk to different sources and you're basically saying this is what this person's saying this is what that person's saying the fancy word for that they say is at attribution you're always saying where you're getting your information from Suddenly, in my prompter, there was just sentences and statements that didn't have an according to or didn't have a, a this doctor says this. They were just blatant statements. And I'm like, wait a minute, where's the sources on this? This isn't according to me. It doesn't matter what I think. Unfortunately, the people that are drawn to news tend to, I think, over time, I mean, you get a lot of credit being the face on television. And, and they, I think that it does something, some things to some people to where they, they're like, yeah, I'm the arbiter of truth. Like it does matter what I'm telling the public, but it's really not supposed to be that way. That's not how true journalism is supposed to work. It's not supposed to matter what you think. And people really aren't supposed to know what you think. So to have in my prompter, um, have in my scripts, statements that not only didn't have sources, but suddenly had all these colorful adjectives. <laughs> I was mm -hmm. like, what's going mm -hmm. on here? <laughs> so, um, I mean, and I did, I, I spoke up along with my co-anchor there in California. He was like-minded and was like, this isn't right. We spoke up. We had a, a common thinking news director that also took our concerns to corporate. Um, he ended up, uh, getting, uh, let go, we'll say for something completely unrelated. Um, and then it was like shortly after that, I was laid off and my, my, my um, paperwork says due to the pandemic, um, all of my, my evaluations up to that point were, were, were great. Like, so there was, it was nothing performance related, but it does always make you wonder, was there something else at play when they were deciding, well, we need to release this many people um, 
to lay off across the country because it wasn't just me. There was a, a, a whole chunk of people with the company that I was with that were laid off across the country, but it does make you wonder if m- maybe I was attractive to let go because I was speaking up, but either way, it was an answer to prayer. And, um, and, uh, after that, I, I, I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore like this. Well, it's interesting that some of us don't wait before our lives become a disaster for something that we intuitively can sense already. So it seems like that's what happened to you, that, you know, although at the beginning, just as the general population think that, okay, maybe the news is telling us the truth in the early, what, February 2020, that they said, okay, so let's all listen. But then later on, did you ever have an encounter in the public during those early months or before you left the, you know, the mainstream? Did you ever have a situation where the or family members or anyone would ask you, so what's going on? And then you, you, you are in that position where you can, you seem not to be able to express what you think. I was very worried about um, when I would share or question what was the accepted narrative. I always wondered if I was going to get called into the office or something for daring to share um, a di- the different side or the other side, if you will. Um, that was the tricky part for me is because I was feeling very uncomfortable uh, more and more each day with as things progressed and the suppression and censorship going on. But at the same time, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a big person of faith and I, in my prayers, I was like, God, I don't know what to do because, you know, you led me here for a reason. And I I've moved my children across the country. I can't just like drop everything and not know what I'm doing next. Cause I have to take my kids into consideration. And so it, it was, um, definitely an internal struggle and something I was praying about. And I just felt it was, it was, so funny, even at the time when I got a Zoom call with HR and they were telling me like, due to the pandemic, we're laying off, you know, thousands across the country. Unfortunately, you're going to be one of them. And I just, I felt so at peace with it. You know, even though I was there with no family across the country and everything. And when they were telling me this, I, I mean, of course, afterwards I, I had moments where I was like, oh gosh, what am I going to do? But like in the moment I felt peace and I felt like, oh, okay. So this is an unlikely way that God's answering my prayer. He's just making the decision for me. So, um, I didn't like fire my New York, New York agent right away. You know, he was getting, uh, good leads after that different companies, um, across the country as, as a, a next step for me. Um, but I did, I did end up letting him go cause I decided, you know what, I'm going to go independent. This is something I can't fix alone unless I just take the reins and, <laughs> and do journalism the way I was originally taught to do it. So, so what's your worst challenge now that you are an independent journalist? The worst challenge is definitely the tech aspect of it. My husband and I have been trying to learn, gosh, there's so many different platforms and and how to utilize all of them and then um, trying to put together a studio in, in the home that we have and the lights and the camera. All that is something I'm not comfortable with. Now, I've shot video and I've edited video um, over the course of my career in TV news, but... Um, as far as the more technical aspects of it go, I'm still very much learning that. And I'm still 
learning which how to utilize all the platforms. There's just so many now. It's like as soon as I feel like I'm on a lot of them and a lot of a lot of my time is spent like copy pasting the videos to upload to all of these different platforms. It's like suddenly like, oh, now you got to get on Getter and now you got to make sure you're on Locals. And now, you know, it's just like, my goodness, <laughs> it's like difficult to balance that at all. It's also kind of difficult to navigate the continued censorship. So you kind of have to play a game. I, I've, I've gotten two videos um, that have caused me to get strikes on YouTube. And um, I believe both of them were Dr. Robert Malone. And we weren't even saying anything crazy. It's just, I think YouTube just doesn't want him on their platform. But um, I'm, I'm learning that sometimes you need to just take very short snippets to put them on YouTube and direct to another platform. So it's, it's very much of a game to try and get around the, the censorship and suppression. Well, welcome to the world. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sure you're dealing with that too. <laughs> Thank you so much again for being with us and I'll pass it on to Roy. Thanks, Chris. Um, I just had an interview that I just put up recently with uh, an investigative journalist, uh, Tanya Target Camacho. And basically she was talking about politicians calling them the protected species. That <laughs> So you've obviously witnessed that. What I'd like to know is, Going back when you were actually working there, when you saw, say, Trump, that must have been strange to see everyone attacking him except for, say, Fox. Did you find that how that was done? Well, the company that I worked for, well, actually, the last news station I worked at was Fox 26 in Fresno. So it was a Fox affiliate. And it was actually owned by Sinclair Broadcast Group, which has gotten criticism in the past for leaning right. But that was not my experience when I worked there. They were all too happy to continue to hop in the bandwagon of the other media outlets and be highly critical of him and not do enough investigative journalism or, or digging on him um, and treat the other side differently, um, which was something that was uh, my co-anchor and I brought to corporate was one story in particular was just so full of adjectives and it, and it, it didn't give both sides at all. And we, we did um, put them on notice that we noticed that. Um, so I didn't feel like just because it was a Fox affiliate or just because it was owned by a company that is supposedly more right-leaning that he was treated any more fairly. I mean, my husband and I were just talking about the fact that President Biden has this new puppy in the White House and he uh, got rid of one of his puppies because it was too old or something. And we were just talking about, I mean, imagine if that was Trump, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just even something so simple as that, because this is a season where they're saying like, remember, don't get puppies for your children for the holidays unless you can make a commitment. It's a commitment, you know? And here we have the president of the United States passing off a, 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 dog that he's saying was too old and getting a puppy. You know, I just feel like if Trump had done something like that, he would have gotten a lot of criticism. And, and for some reason, the media just does not criticize this administration. I mean, we saw even when uh, CNN um, or Oliver Darcy ha had put um, out something about the them meeting with with media in the White House to combat how they would frame the economy. And I'm like, this is insane. <laughs> so, so they're like bragging about having productive meetings about how they will frame what's happening in our economy with 
with the White House, the very people that they're supposed to be holding accountable, because I didn't really necessarily ever have a problem uh, with the media holding President Trump's feet to the fire. That's what they're supposed to do. But you don't see that with this administration. So that's another element that's just so shockingly out of play here is it is a tenant of journalism to hold those in power accountable. It's it's one of the core tenants. And instead of holding any of these people in, in power, Dr. Fauci being probably one of the most powerful throughout this pandemic and just the, the ignoring of all of the this these salacious things that, that that journalists could dig up and dig deeper into, they just ignore it and defend them and parrot what he says. So to me, it's it's just so strange that that you even have journalists acting like they're proud of essentially being a PR representative for the administration. Absolutely. And like I've watched some of your videos um, and I'd like to delve into it in a minute about the, the, the books in the school, but like say routers, because you mentioned that and I went to check because just for myself, no matter who says anything, I'll start investigating, you know, like so even if I read in a book, it, it's like, okay, this sounds interesting. And then I look for a few different sources and it, I always kind of say that it depends on the question you ask Uncle Google. Well, I prefer to use, say, Brave or DuckDuckGo. But if you ask, is 5G safe? You get all the answers that it is safe. If you say, is 5G not safe? Why it's not safe? You get all the answers why it's not safe. But like, I mean, I've been kicked off YouTube, but a lot of people will be kind of attacking uh, whatever I say. And loads of times they give the, uh, the likes of rooters. And I mean, I know straight away, I call them the bad boys club, but you, you, you actually had mentioned, and I didn't know about that. It was one of the videos that I looked on the thing that uh, one of the guys that was in that was actually a board member with, uh, with Pfizer's. Yeah. And, and I mean, I had seen that myself and then, and I fact check it. I went to straight to the websites to, to where I could to uh, confirm that that was true. And um, sure enough, it was true. So it's just like such an obvious conflict of interest that, that doesn't even get looked at. But I feel like even sometimes Reuters, places like Reuters will give just enough to make it seem like they're being fair. Like it was actually from Reuters that I had a headline um, Something to the fact of like, wait, what? 55 years? The FDA wants 55 years you know, to release the Pfizer safety document. So I was surprised when I saw Reuters was even talking about that, that the FDA had asked for 55 years. Now it's up to 75 years that they wanted to release all of their Pfizer safety data documents um, on which they they used to approve. But um, but yeah, the, the fact checkers... We even saw, obviously, in, in legal proceedings that Facebook said, no, it, our, our, our fact checkers are considered opinions. So, <laughs> I mean, they can't even hide it anymore. It's, it's really become a joke. Most people that you talk to, even on both sides of the aisle, will admit that fact checking is useless. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I mean, most of the stuff I put out, even the page that I've got, it's got all the links and fact-checking thing is on it. And unfortunately, people then will start taking a snapshot of that and sending it to you and you just shake your head because, I mean, if they start investigating it, they'll realize that it's not true, but we have to look at it. But if you look at, say, Project Veritas, what's your thought? I mean, because I'm looking at how they're kind of exposing, they're getting a few whistleblowers. Like, what's your thoughts on, say, the likes of them compared to the rest of the media? I, I'm not totally sure. I mean, to me, it feels a bit uncomfortable, like almost entrapment the way they 
they do their methods. So I haven't really figured out how I feel about that, quite frankly. But I will say that what they've put out there is is well sourced and um, that any time any legal proceeding where people have tried to come after him, they've won it. So, I mean, they must be doing something right. Um, but I appreciate the work that they're doing because they're actually, whether, whether the methods are questionable or not, they're getting information out there that no one else is even trying to get out there. So, and I think it's, it's so important what they're doing. They're really exposing how these people behind the scenes that are in power are, are controlling everything. And I mean, and that, like I said, is a tenant of journalism, hold those in power accountable. And I think they've certainly held up that tenant. Yeah. And with what you're doing, because like I've seen some of your interviews, are they trying to stop what you're doing? Is it trying to be shadow banned and stuff like that? I mean, I know you mentioned, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, to be honest, I, I, my head explodes with all the different platforms because you just, it just, it's too much work to be honest with you. It'd be brilliant. Press a button and it goes out to all of them. You know, hopefully somebody will will create that for us. That we just, you know, it goes out to Bitchute, it goes out to Rumble, the whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> that would make life a lot easier. I definitely know that there's been funny business with my accounts. I feel like I must be on a list. Um, people have sent me screenshots of I'm trying to follow you, and this is this says I can't follow you. <laughs> you know, and then um, there's certain posts like you know. Like I tend to know what kind of engagement I get now. And then there's certain posts that have just so not even comparable to others that I'm like, okay, people aren't even seeing this. I've had people that were following me that suddenly um, they say that they were following me and then they're like, I went and I wasn't following you. This is weird. The same thing has happened with some of the people that I follow. There's, there's actually a great journalist out of Michigan that I was following and I went to his page and I know I was following him and I went to his page and I wasn't following him. So I'm like, this is so crazy how they do this and how they manipulate things. Um, and then obviously with the YouTube, that is they are The YouTube is the absolute worst. I mean, the, an interview I did with Dr. Malone, we were just basically it was just commentary about another video that was still up on YouTube. And we covered the same same themes, same subjects. And we're just um, talking about that commentary essentially. And they still like gave me a strike and I appealed and it, they, they don't give me a reason why <laughs> they just, they just say inappropriate content. It's, it's insane, but it's, it's unfortunate because it does make it hard for us that are, it's already hard going independent. And then when you have to deal with um, the suppression and the censorship impeding your ability to even grow, it, it's, it's difficult. Absolutely. I remember before I got kicked off YouTube because I used to track all my numbers with the different podcasts because I got five podcasts and I saw my numbers on YouTube going back 500, going back 100. And I was like, this shouldn't be happening. And on Facebook, it was actually Steve because Steve would be giving me thumbs up on the different posts on uh, Facebook. And he said he knew he gave a thumbs up on one of them and he went back on all of them. They were all gone. All the thumbs up he was given. You know? And it's like, that is sick that you're doing. But one of the things that I saw that you've done was with the school, with the, the actual books that they had in the library for children. And I love the way you've done it because you actually had the camera and you were talking to the police department, but it just shows how deep the corruption goes. But you might just let people know about that because I thought it was very interesting. This corruption at this school is so deep. It's insane. I And it's crazy because I was coming from California and decided to come to Texas and was feeling better about how things would be here. Um, and 
I come out here and then I'm dealing with this. But again, I just feel like, oh, well, God wants me to fight a battle here. So I guess that's why I'm, I'm placed here. Uh, but I mean, it's just like never ending with this, this school board. And it's it's frustrating because and this is another topic I've covered is it's frustrating because it's like you so badly want a hero. You want somebody to be like, okay, this is wrong. Let's hold these people accountable. And, and then that's why I always come back to, we have to be our own hero. We have to try and do whatever we can because we can't rely on anyone actually holding up the law or coming in and intervening in something that seems so obvious, but the corruption there is, is so deep. There's all these, like, as soon as we expose a couple books, then we find a couple more. And so it's like a never ending situation where we're just finding these awful, disgusting books that even when you speak up at the board meetings, it's like, they don't want you to, to repeat them, but it's like, but you're okay with them being in our school. And I couldn't get, I couldn't even get a police officer to file the report, even though it was, I, I cited the penal, the Texas penal code and even us code on why this was, was inappropriate because it was actual pictures of pornographic images. Um, and, and basically the excuse they gave me was, well, it's an edu it's in an education facility, so we can't really do anything. And it's like, <laughs> so, I mean, if, if there is a pedophile on campus, like trying to, to entice children, because it's an education facility, you can't do anything about it. I mean, it's insane. Um, and then there's, uh, there's seven board members in my kid's school district and five of them are just completely tyrannical and just do whatever they want. They've tried to censure the other two that are speaking up for parents. And, um, they're for some reason in a weird way, defending a superintendent that has a temporary restraining order against him for assaulting his pregnant ex-mistress. It, it, it's so, the corruption's so deep that when I repeat this stuff, it sounds like a soap opera or something fake, but it's like actually happening. We have the text, the text, we have the TRO to prove that this is going on and the board won't even do anything about it. It's like, you want this man as a superintendent that, th that threatened and assaulted um, or is accused of that and has a temporary restraining order against him in charge of the safety of our kids and our, our students. It's so crazy. <laughs> and like, I've seen that with a lot of schools, cause you see the different board meetings and it's like, is there anybody actually getting results from these things? Cause they're so protected. They just, they wear their masks. They look at people, people they, like, I, I find it so insulting. Like even when you're like, when you were even speaking, you know, you're saying something really important. And they go, time. It's like, yeah. they don't even, you know, where's they can... <laughs> hey, They gave us a minute. Like, who can spit out anything productive that can mean anything in one minute? And, and the th crazy part of that was that, you know, they give these health officials that also have their own conflicts of interest, like, all the time in the world, but, like, parents, the actual parents that want to weigh in on this, we get, are limited to one minute. It's so insulting and it's so unnecessary. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And with the the Maxwell case that's going on at the moment, I'm I just heard recently. I mean, I didn't delve. Is it true or what? Because it's hard to know what's true and what's not anymore. But apparently, the list of two thousand names has been kind of quashed as part. She'll get uh, put away, but her list of two thousand names that's on the diary is uh, kind of hidden. Is that? What, what's her that's what I'm that what, I, what I'm gathering and I mean this 
we we knew from the get go that that case was going to be corrupt. And some someone um, on social media put it great that okay, so the woman that was is now found guilty of essentially selling minor children. Uh, what about the the buyers? <laughs> you know, because it's and it and it's a good it's such a great thought because it's like okay, she's guilty of luring these these kids, but she was basically the seller. So who was buying and why is it such a secret? Are they going to be held accountable? And um, I mean, to have James Comey's daughter as the prosecutor and so much secretive. And I mean, there's still so many questions on how Epstein himself died and how that part of the video is, is missing. It's, it reeks of, of corruption and, in. Um, backdoor deals and but yet it's not really talked about much as much as it should be in the media I mean and then there's even corroborated that and it was in the case that the FBI had collected all this evidence and it went missing <laughs> it's like wait what for such a high profile case it just went missing so we know we know that they're protecting um, those in power uh, and there's backdoor deals and there's things they don't want to get out but I mean, that's that's the part that's I think hard when you when you're in it and you're reading all this stuff and you're looking at it every day is it gets so frustrating. It's like, well, nothing's being done though, you know. So it's like all we can do, all this. I feel like the only small part I can do is try and at least make other people aware of it. I mean, because what else can you do when when you feel like nothing is being done? No, exactly. I mean, like if you look at the flight logs as well. I mean from what i can see and i mean i've got some videos that were sent to me as well and you see a lot of the singers and famous people at these satanic kind of you know where there's like doll babies but bodies and cakes and stuff like that and you're like this is sick stuff it, is it sick. seems the whole lot i mean we're talking about oprah we're talking about the whole lot of these people and they're all connected and when you talk to people, they kind of go, no, no way. But it, like, how, have you seen any wins? I mean, in, in your circle, have you seen people getting actually any successes? Um, I do. I feel like it's it's a slow process, but the more that comes out, people can't ignore it anymore. And people are getting frustrated. I do feel like the tide is turning. Um, I mean, even with someone like Dr. Robert Malone, who's now getting more and more um, noticed, when I, he was my very first in, interview as an independent journalist. And so it's been interesting to see how his thoughts on things have evolved. So he was very matter of fact, like definitely giving, giving both sides, like not, not really um, implying that any sin, anything sinister was going on. He's like, I just, you know, think that the, maybe we should be asking more questions. So he was just very more like soft-spoken. Now when I interview him, he he's like, angry and like and um has has evolved and like i had no idea that it was this bad you know especially with his involvement um in hooking up with robert f kennedy jr and and reading over his manuscript before it was ever even released he's like i just had no idea it was this bad and that what i was dealing with was was this corrupt and and so i mean someone like him is a good example because he he started one way just willing to to think the best and now especially even seeing the way that he's been treated just for asking questions or saying maybe we need to spend a little bit more time on the bioethics of all of this 
just the reaction that he got, I think, also opened up his eyes. He's like, wow, never would have thought that it was this bad. So I think people are waking up. It's just taking some time. What I found is, especially when I started off, you know, a lot of us, even when we do the live calls, we kind of were tiptoeing along, you know, not to say something too controversial. But I found the more you say what is really the point, you'll actually get more people actually following you and interested in what you're doing. You think, oh, I might upset people, but who are you upsetting? You're upsetting the people that are towing the line for what's corrupt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, um, that, that was the real big breaking point, um, in my own journey of waking up, if you will, or seeing how th bad things are really were. It was the censorship suppression end of things. Like I couldn't believe when the frontline doctors came out and were saying that they were having success with some early treatment, just, just the vicious attack on them and not only vicious attack on them, but outright censorship of them. And then I noticed that some of my, my colleagues were cheering this on and I, it was just so shocking to me because it's like, wait a minute, we're journalists. We're supposed to be for freedom of speech and freedom of the press. And we're supposed to just be the messenger. We're supposed to be going to people and saying, okay, what's your take on this? These clearly were, were doctors. And if, if, if it was done the right way and with integrity, we journalists would have went ahead and continued to say, these doctors say this and these doctors say that's not correct because, you know, and, and that way you're just, you're just the messenger. I mean, th this sudden embracing of, oh, as journalists, we need to be arbiters of truth and we're the, we're the gateway of what our audience can listen to and, and putting themselves in such an authority position is sick. <laughs> it's really sick and it's not how journalism is supposed to be. And so that was really the biggest wake up call is um, what happened with those frontline doctors. I just couldn't, I mean, I still can't believe that it, that it's like this and that you have journalists that are cheering this on. To me, the biggest thing is, to me, it's an arrogance. And if you really respect your audience, then you will bring them, just tell them, here's what these experts are saying, here's what these experts are saying. And, and if you've done your job well, and if you've been a good investigative journalist and brought them all of the information, then they can decide for themselves. That's how it's supposed to be. So um, it, it's insane to me what journalism has evolved into. And that's why I really want no part of it. I mean, like I said, with a New York agent, I, I was on the track to get um, go network. And that was actually one of the, the next steps I was taking. But I, I didn't want to I didn't want to be corporate controlled. I, I, just, I just saw how bad it was. Yeah, not excellent. And just finally, before I pass you to Steve, uh, like Joe Rogan, I heard him talking about the ivermectin, and which he was dead right in, but all the press attacked him, you know, saying it was like Carson. And I think they're doing us a favor when they do that, because then he's showing that that goes viral, which in turn, some people will actually investigate it and find, hey, he's right. And we'll also come across doctors that are actually stating, hey, this will actually help you instead of getting a poison dart. Yeah, I think that that's another element I think that is helping people wake up. I think that they're actually the censorship um, by big tech is really 
they're really shooting themselves in the foot with this because it's the whole concept of forbidden fruit. Like when you, when you ban and suppress information and, and you do it so boldly, then people are going to be like, wait, why don't they want me to hear this? Or why don't they want me to see this? That was one of my arguments against, because there is definitely always a radical element of things or thing, thing, people that might take it too far. Or, I mean, it's not like that doesn't exist, you know, but when you suppress and you, and you take away people's voice, then, then you're poking the bear. You're turning people radical. You're going to make people radicalized. If you just allow the open and free discussion and debate, then you, then that is less likely to happen in my opinion. But I mean, it, it, it's been interesting because even with that ivermectin, since you mentioned it, um, there was, we saw that whole story making headlines of that people overdosing on ivermectin were backing up hospitals. Um, and that was from a station, uh, KFOR in Oklahoma and, um, rolling this, I think this also opened up people's eyes to how news works because that's the station ran with that story and they were owned by Nexstar, And so every Nexstar owned local TV station also ran, ran with that story, repeated it. That was across the nation. And then it was also picked up by network MSN rolling stone. And then people actually looked into it. My husband and I made phone calls for like less than an hour and were able to blow that story wide open that it was completely fake. Um, the, they used one, this news station in Oklahoma, they used one source for this claim, this doctor. And so we looked up his medical history and, and he, so they didn't vet the doctor. He, he had a medical uh, malpractice on his record it was crazy, but we, we were able to figure all this out in like less than an hour and, and prove that that story was completely fake and phony. And, um, Rolling Stone ended up having to print a retraction. Um, MSN had a uh, print a retraction, but what's interesting is the first originator originator of the story, a local news station in Oklahoma that made this story spread like wild, wildfire to the point that even Rachel Maddow was sing singing like, see, ivermectin poisoning is clogging up the hospitals. It was totally fake. They were the last to not even retract it, but just add an editor's note. And this was after I called them every day and wrote them every day for nine days, never even got to talk to the news director. But finally, after nine days, they add an editor's note even after Rolling Stone, MSN, you know, had retracted it. So it's so crazy. I think that that also showed people that how just one news station not doing its job can just spread over this, what amounts to and end, ending up being like a small network. And this is how true misinformation <laughs> is disseminated. Like in this case, a fake and phony headline. Oh, excellent. Listen, Christy, thank you very much. And uh, I'll pass you on to Steve. Hey, Christy. Oh, wow. It's very brave what you've done. It's crazy. You have to be brave to tell the truth, isn't it? It's a bit <laughs> right. Odd. right. Mean, it's, uh, you know, I mean, I'm just a cynical guy. I've been so far down the rabbit hole that, you know, the system's not supposed to work and justice isn't supposed to be handed out. And, um, you know, it's rigged. So, I mean, I, you know, you're a journalist. I grew up watching um, not really watching, but, you know, Walter Cronkite was the face of America and he was, you know, portrayed as an honest guy. And, you know, that guy was diabolical. That guy, 
Uh, he won, you know, he got the Norman Cousins Award for p pushing the New World Order. He was a Satanist, but people look at him as someone that's trustworthy. Uh, you know, when JFK was murdered um, in the public by our own country, um, uh, not only were documents sealed for I think 76 years. Why would documents be sealed for 76 years? You know, national security. Okay, but you know, Dan Rather, another newscaster. The power of the word, and like you said, you know, um, you shouldn't be the arbiters of truth, uh, or you, you know, you in some ways uh, you should be telling the truth, but you shouldn't be looked at as the word, the official word. But that's how it is, and you know, e even in the um, in the JFK thing, the very simple fact that Dan Rather said that JFK was propelled forward from the the shot when he wasn't; he was propelled backwards, meaning. The shot came from the front, mm -hmm. but just those words, that was a cover up, right? So he was part of it. So my point is there's nothing new under the sun. This has been going on for decades. And the Council on Foreign Relations and the, the Fabian Society across the pond, uh, the, the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderberg, uh, the Thread, and then you go, it goes to the Jesuits and the Templars. And it's a top-down web that's global and the control you know, I'm convinced that when you were reading the teleprompter and there was no according to or or, you know, this someone had to organize that. Right. So it had to come from above somewhere to tell mm -hmm. someone. So I, it's just incredible how it works. And it's not supposed to be fair and it's not supposed to tell the truth and it's supposed to misinform. It's supposed to invert. It's supposed to pervert and it's supposed to confuse and it's supposed to instill fear. And, you know, that's my frustration is that's just the way it is. But, you know, I, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing because we can't stop the fight. But the problem is a lot of people are hypnotized because, you know, if you go back to Edward Bernays, uh, who's the nephew of Freud, if you go back to uh, Ewan Cameron, these are diabolical people who, who you know, know how to literally program the human mind. Uh, the, the TV is set at, at an alpha state. They use neuro-linguistic programming, they're repetitive, um, that gets in your head, and it, it, it puts suggestions on your subconscious, they use symbols, and, you know, the, the, the hard thing is that people are hypnotized. So you could, sh I remember the frontline doctors too, I remember Pierre Corey was wearing his white coat, right, speaking about thousands of people, not one hospitalization, in, in the court, right, and he has to be telling the truth because he's a doctor. Right. So he has to back everything up. Other, and he still has his license. They would they've tried to take his license and they couldn't. Same with Dr. Peter McCullough. So my point is, I remember seeing that they spoke as early as March 2020, I think, or Pierre Corey spoke in March 2020. And I think uh, Dr. Peter McCullough spoke in, in the Senate, um, I think, in June, giving his McCullough protocol with, you know, all the all the drugs that are banned. And stuff, and then you get into the hospitals getting money for every COVID diagnosis and everyone that goes on a ventilator. So you know, it's almost like, uh, how do you even start to tell someone who's completely misinformed? And well, that's the thing. Know, I mean, it, is, yeah. Well, that's what uh, Dr. Malone and I talked about is like the only way to break this hypnosis, this mass formation idea is to continue to to drip out the truth. That's the only way that you can break it because they've con they've obviously been just bombarded and hearing the same, 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 same and um, all these buzzwords and everything. And so the only way you can hope to break the hypnosis is just to continue to try and get the truth out there. 
But um, it, it's interesting what you're talking about. Uh, also, like them being being doctors, because the the tired pushback that you get is like, oh, well, what do you know? I'm going to listen to the scientists and the doctors. And they're like, OK, how about these scientists and these epidemiologists and these doctors? And it's like, oh, wait, no, not those doctors that have epidemiology. It's like it's crazy. Yeah, they call it, they, you know, they put the word out there. Um, cherry picking. Like I tell my friends because they heard it on the news. Oh, that's cherry picking. Right. So they have a new term to shut me down, you know, like conspiracy theorists. But it's, but these these people's backgrounds speak for themselves. I, I, it's many because they're like I'm or I'm going to listen to Harvard trained. It's like okay, how about Dr. Peter Bregan? He was trained at Harvard. Or how about the um, Yale epidemiologist that has been critical? It, it just it's just like you have to remind them that wait a minute, these aren't just fringe wackos. Even though the news is telling you that these are people with long careers and and patents and and training and science was never supposed to be this way where someone could claim they themselves were science. <laughs> I mean, you just have to continue. Yeah. Well, here's the problem with the science is the buildings that these big institutions, you know, where they get their power and their knowledge, they're, they're built by the same people that pay these guys who are the scientists. Exactly. So you have the institution, the authority figure, you build an institution, you put a fancy name on it. It, you know, we're taught to respond to authority from a very early age. Even in nursery school, we look up to the teacher. We don't question it. There's one answer for every every uh, test question. Don't think outside of that. So we're 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 given an education that gives us no life skills, teaches us nothing, is there to make us uh, enslave us in a in a in a, an environment. Yes, and they're they're taking away entrepreneurialism because they can't have free enterprise in the new world order. It's 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 one of the things they have to kill because they can't have free thinkers and they can't have um, people self-sufficient. They want everyone dependent on the state. So, you know, that's the that's why, you know, they're going at this has nothing to do with what we think it has to do with. Um, it, it has to do with uh, d- a deliberate, uh, you know, shutdown of freedom, of, uh, of of free enterprise, of creative thinking of everything, uh, you know, to bring us, to bring to a different, to the hidden agenda of the new world order, which has been in the works for over 250 years. And that's why I'm trying to say that this is nothing new and everything we're seeing has been planned probably at least 60 years in advance. Well, it's interesting how how they always um, bring up like the matrix and red pill or blue pill, because it is amazing that once you are confronted with the lies or see the truth in, in one area, suddenly everything else start you see with all new eyes. Like I didn't really question the JFK thing before. I didn't really have reason to. But um, since <laughs> my eyes have been opened in other areas, you know, now I'm watching these other documents that are just loaded with evidence of corruption and, and that we've been lied to about so many things. So it really is taking yeah. like, the red pill. There's, there's a brother, you know, there's a club and we're not in it. You know, that's the. <laughs> yeah. But the other part the, of that that I, I wanted to mention was um, this. I, I don't identify myself as a Republican or Democrat. In fact, if anything, the more I learn, the more disgusted I am with both sides <laughs> and just pile up politics and politicians in general. But it is interesting that particularly on the left and the Democrats, they're the ones that are pushing for um, this 
this narrative and we can't have anybody saying anything different. They, they cheer and laud on the censorship and suppression. And it's, it's crazy because that's just so undemocratic. I mean, this approach to giving people the, like being the arbiter of truth and like deciding what we can tell people and going with that, that's not democratic at all. Like the more democratic approach would be let me gather the information from you from everywhere, mm. show you the evidence and and you decide is a more democratic approach. So that's what's crazy is that even this whole they push us on sides and they demand we pick a side. But really, there's there's only one side. There's the powerful. There's no, the, the two party system, the two party system is an illusion. Mm hmm. They're oh, both parties are controlled by the Council on Foreign Relations, which was started by the Rockefellers. In general, their money, but there was a group of Dulles was on it. I can't. Uh, but in 1919, when America didn't join the League of Nations, which was an, a step towards the New World Order, the Rockefellers funded the the uh, Council on Foreign Relations to uh, steer public policy, control presidents, control the media, control narratives, and it was also to create the UN and the CIA, which weren't created at that time. So the these guys are not that they're not that clever. They have one play in their playbook. It's a Hegelian dialectic. It's problem, reaction, solution, divide and rule. Right. So, you know, if you think about it, I'm a human. I'm a, I'm a human party. I can think I don't have to be put in one box or another vanilla or chocolate, but they need they can't control a unified um, population. So if as soon as you say I'm a Democrat or Republican, you've taken the bait. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, in my opinion, uh, because that's part of the divide and rule. And in my eyes, uh, you know, the guy with the big hair, um, he was all just a, a willing, complicit deceiver, uh, all part of the psyop, the, the pantomime, the charade to, uh, you know, um, polarize and divide the nation to the max. I mean, to the it does, absolute. It's appearing more and more like that. But yeah. um yeah, I, but obviously uh, social media in general has been hugely a champion of their cause in, in dividing people because it's on its very function. Uh, social media is able to sell the most money by keeping yeah. us divided. And here's something else that I've, I've um, touched upon before is that I entered, uh, was really most actively involved in TV news beginning in 2008 and that's when social media was just starting to become another yes. arm of news. And so to see that evolve has been interesting. And, and each year that I, I was in news, the incorporation of social media became more and more important to the point that every news station I worked at after the incorporation of social media there was a board in our newsroom that would show how we were stacking up an engagement compared to the other stations in our market and also on an individual level who was winning, who was on the top of the social media engagement scoreboard and the whole concept behind that. And what we were encouraged to do in trainings is when we put out a headline or when we, we put, we shared a story from our website, ask a question that would, would essentially make people, um, I mean, they didn't say it like this, but essentially ask a question that would make people argue in the comments, like that would make people make a choice. I think that's how they worded it. Like ask people a question, like how they feel about something or, or, or yeah. deciding between two things because that, because studies show that that 
gets you the most social media engagement. So it's very even in social media's interest and in the news businesses that use social media for their advertising dollars to have people divided, to have people arguing in the comments. Um, yeah. and it's a vitriol machine. It's a vitriol machine. You know, it's uh, it's also a dopamine machine and they know it distracts people. It, it, it uh, divides people. I mean, people are being manipulated and used in, on so many ways. The CIA controls Hollywood. Uh, I mean, they have for a long time. They don't control every aspect of it. But trust me, they control scripts and what's in it and, and, and what symbolic narrative they want to put into the movie to steer to steer the collective consciousness in a certain way. Uh, you know, I remember, I think seven years ago, I, you know, I was waking up about 10 years ago. So I, I remember as I'm waking up, I'm starting to watch movies and like I watch Brad Pitt movie and like the opening scene is martial law and he's got the family. They're all at the breakfast table. I, I don't know what movie this was, uh, but my point is the opening scene is L.A. being taken over by martial law, which is Henry Kissinger has been talking about that, you know, since the late 70s. But that scene imprints on you so that when it does happen. It's not unusual. It's that it sounds crazy, but that's how it works. And that's how they numb people down and normalize things. And well, even the movie Contagion, I just uh, watched again recently. It's, it's amazing. Oh, Sanjay Gupta. What a great actor he was in that. Yeah, right. What yeah. a sellout he is. But go on. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just that's so very true. And the more I watch different movies, it's just you can tell it, it's all. Yeah, like, Christy, do you know Sanjay? Do you know Sanjay in that movie? He had certain lines. It's either he, I forget it. It was that movie was 2010. It was a contagion. Either he had the lines, whatever, or, or some or another actor in that movie spoke the lines on the news when there was a contagion. Guess what? CNN played the same exact lines. So my point is that's part of the programming, right? Yeah. They're repeating, and people don't think that their subconscious doesn't. It's it's that crazy. I mean, but I mean, the, this, the, you know, this, the, the, the house is rigged, you know, but we, we can't stop fighting. No, we can't. We can't. I continue to try and wake up other journalists that are still s stuck in the game. Um, but like I said, I also try and prep up those that I feel like are doing the best they can, like um, bloom where you're planted, if you will. Like I said, there's a journalist, um, Dave Bondi and, and Michigan um, traditional local news anchor, but he is try trying very hard to bring both sides, you know, not mm. put his opinion out there. So there's, there are uh, journalists with integrity. They're are trying to do what part they can under certain circumstances. And I know my co-anchor also still back in, in California um, is doing what he can in, in his current environment. And in, in I mean, sadly, these people, I mean, why does a doctor, risk his life to tell the truth why does he risk his career why does an anchor risk his job to tell the truth why are you out of a job because he told the truth it doesn't people have to stop and think that alone's not normal wait a second i mean that's that's funny because that's another tenant of journalism right in the society of professional journalists manual it says we're to examine conflicts of interests and motivations how much is that being done right now by your traditional journalist? It's I mean, zero. You can't. We're Roy. I mean, everyone here. Who are we? We're nobody, and we're we're off Facebook. We're off uh, YouTube, right? I don't. I'm not on Facebook. I refuse to be part of that. You know, 
um, mind control. But my point is, they're, another thing on YouTube people don't realize, they're, they're demonetizing people, right? So they're trying to hurt everyone everywhere to control everything. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's so there in your, in your face, but it, it's very expensive for people to admit it because it's painful. And well, it's, it's, easier to be, it's easier to be polite. It is scary, though, seeing things in their in, in their extremes. Like, I may have lost my uh, trajectory of, of, what I, of what I thought I was going to do. I'm actually much happier um, having freedom now. I have nobody directing me who to talk to or what I can, can and can't talk about, which it's funny. Because that was a little bit uncomfortable at first, actually, which, which tells you that the system was working on me. Um, yeah. But to have so you'd be, you uh, know, at first. Yeah, and who you know who did Pol Pot? Who did Pol Pot and all these dictators? Who did they kill? Who's the first people that got killed? The Mao, all the artists, all the creative, all the intelligent people, all the people who are free free speakers and and free you know uh, entrepreneurs, right? So I mean, I mean you know, and then you've you've broken a lot of ground on you know I think pedophilia is is another cover because the atrocities against children go way beyond pedophilia. So. Oh yeah, and I mean, and they're they. I've been trying to expose that they're how they're doing it, how they're trying to groom our children is under the guise of this trend of social justice issues and this trend of acceptance of transgender and bi and gay and all that. Um, and and it's it's interesting that I mean, I had a a mother email me the other day um, that she says, I'm a gay mom. And I just wanted to say thank you for what you're doing because we don't agree with the sexual content that is being shoved in the schools. You know, like I'm not behind that at all. Like leave the kids alone, you know? And so it's like, yes, like if we can just get united on that, it doesn't, they're, they're trying to use these LGBTQ like as a, oh, if you don't want this in the school, you must be homophobic or transphobic. It's like, no, it really has nothing to do with that. We just don't want you talking about sex or or getting our kids talking about um, gender orientation, uh, period. Yeah. <laughs> like, just leave them alone. <laughs> it doesn't well, have anything to do with your lifestyle. Yeah, that's great that they spoke up. But I mean, the, you know, the LBGTQ uh is just another psyop. It's another divide and rule psyop, right? So it's a deliberate, systematic divide and rule Hegelian dialectic being played out. It's funded, it's organized, it's scripted. Um, and if you go back to the tenants, the New World Order, the technical New World Order, although it goes way back beyond into the Knights Templar, um, the Knights Templar were the bankers of the Crusades, right? And they they um, they're really the first bankers. They protected the wealthy people from being killed. The wealthy people could pay off the Knights Templar and not be killed in the Crusades. And that led into the modern day banking. But the the tenant, the, the, the general tenants of the New World Order, which started in 1776 on May Day, May 1st, and of the Fabian Society, which was started in 1884, which is the continuation that was started by Karl Marx's daughter. And that's sort of the other side of the pond Marxist creepy Marxist thing, the major tenants, and these are over, you know, the 1776 and, and 1874, if you go back, the major tenants of both these organizations are, and uh, Adam Weishaupt wrote a book called The Illuminati, and in it, he outlines a new world order. It's a real book, but the major tenants are destruction of the family, um, you know, ad productivity, 
uh, it, all the things that are happening. It's been a systematic, slow feed of, of control into scientism, away from spiritual spirituality, away from morality, and into confusion and a, and a destruction of the family through the television, through television shows, through movies. And it's, it's, if you, you know, when you can see it, it's, it's sort of, I can't watch TV. I mean, my TV has been unplugged for five years. I mean, literally unplugged. I do not watch TV. Um, so uh, what I, I guess I forgot what I was trying to say, but my point is we were talking about LBGTQ. Uh, we were talking about the normalization of sex with children. Uh, uh, you know, the NAMBLA, the National American Men's Boy Lovers Association. I, there's like 50% of the Senate are members of this organization or a high, um, and they're, they're, they've taken things to court where they want to normalize sex with minors. Okay, this is not, you know, Oxford University puts out studies about um, that it's okay for people to have sex with minors. And this is how they do it because this is all part of the network. I mean, the, the major universities, you know, anyway, I mean, I know too much. I don't, and I don't know if what I know is real, but. It, it's it can't this all can't be coincidence so you know no. but the, you got to keep you got to keep up the fight I'm, I'm more talking more than you so uh well no but, i was just gonna say what makes it even more terrifying and real is just the continued observation of what's happening to those imprisoned for january 6th i mean being treated as they are i mean and and, and just they just get away with it i mean what happened to a speedy trial you know Mm. there's people that are just sitting in jail for essentially trespassing. And um, I know one in particular has uh, not been given medication. They haven't adhered to his diet. He's wasting away and no one's being held accountable. Yeah. So it gets, it feels very different. What gives? I mean, they thrive on that. The more pain, the better. They, there's not supposed to work. The, the, have you heard one health official, globally once say the importance of just these words the importance of maintaining your immune system okay we all know what we all know how to do that you have to go outside get fresh air get sunshine right but have you not one health official globally have told people the importance of of uh, strengthening your immune system and at a minimum to take d3 and zinc vitamin d3 and zinc because that alone because you know why because they can't because they need to perpetuate this agenda Right. Because this is all manufactured. So my point is, it's not supposed to work. The, you know, the, the recommendations for what to do aren't supposed to make sense. They're not supposed to. Well, not let me supposed ask you to. this. I want to pose a question to you all and see if you have any thoughts. I wanted to see if you have any of you have noticed, like I have, particularly over the past week, um, them walking back on some things like suddenly now you the PCR tests they're suddenly admitting that they don't work, you know, but that was like misinformation before. And they're suddenly admitting that, that cloth masks do nothing. Like these are CDC officials and and Fauci's saying, Oh, we're going to reduce the quarantine time. I wondered if any of you had any thoughts about why they might be starting to walk back on some of these things. I mean, in me, I think there's always, you can't trust anything that's on the media. So if it's on the media, they want you to see it. They want you to hear it. It's everything's a distraction. So they're either covering their tracks um, a little bit, but it doesn't matter because nothing's going to happen to anything. Fauci's going to be elevated and rewarded for his deceiving the public um, so grandiosely. Uh, it's all this is all a play. But I 
I, um, in terms of that, I think there's something else coming out after the PCR test where they're going to make money from it. It's just another thing. There's going to be a new product and they're going to push it. And someone at a pharmaceutical company is going to make billions. And, you know, everyone that we see giving these uh, recommendations have money invested in these companies. So it's insider trading, really. These people should go to jail just for insider trading, but they're not going to. They're going to be rewarded because that's how the system works. So that's my opinion. Yeah. Uh, There's race? some that were, were there were some that were speculating they're trying to suddenly walk some things back because they're thinking of 2022. But my opinion, I'm like, well, that I don't. We don't even know if that system even works, anyways. If the votes actually matter, anyways. So I don't know. What? I mean, I think. I mean, I'm. I'm. You know. I'm not the guy to talk to because although I think it's important uh, to speak your truth and to not give up and, and to stay out of fear, uh, they say what they want, they do what they want with impunity. And it's going to end. I think they're in their death throes, or I would like to think so. But the system, if, if why, are, why are victims of satanic ritual abuse not able to go to the police? right? Because the police are part of it, right? So there's nowhere to go. I mean, Jimmy Savile, do you know who Jimmy Savile was? I don't. You really should. I, he I, was, uh, sure. Let me know what else I need to get caught up He's on. dead. So we can talk about that wretched piece of garbage. Um, he, he was in the UK and he had a show called Jimmy Will Fix It, where he put kids on, his, on their laps and he was raping young children. And, and, and um, he was protected by all the people we know, all the authorities we know, and he was giving, you know, the word is he was, you know, there was a child trafficking for, for rituals and stuff like that. But he's a great example of how it didn't come out till he died. He was pre protected till he died. He was probably one of the most prolific child, not pedophiles, um, rapists, torturers, um, you know, sadists uh, on the planet and nothing he you know, he, he was never held accountable. So if you just follow his story, you'll see he's, he's, you know, he was knighted by the queen. He's hobnobbing with all the royals and stuff like that. So, you know, birds of a feather, we know that. So, I, you know, my point is that there's, if, if, if people start to see, you know, we, we're making it about the kids, right? But it's way beyond pedophilia. Right. So I don't know why I got on this, because I, I think I just want to say that I think I think all this um, sexual harassment is just a distraction. I mean, the Harvey Weinstein thing is nothing. Right. But that's the distraction. There's a much bigger fire burning that that people aren't aware of. And it goes way beyond pedophilia. So I'm just trying to raise that, that, you know, people need to, to, to do this for the kids. Right. So that's my point. Thank you, Steve. And thank you, everyone. And um, just briefly, um, Christy, there's a question if you have any thought about Melissa McCarthy, the whistleblower from Pfizer. Are you familiar with that story? Um, is she the one that uh, exposed uh, what was them talking about? Let's not talk about what's in the vaccines. There's a few I different. Believe, yeah, I believe so. But um, yes. Um, I mean, I just think it. it anybody that is exposing what's happening is, is just so brave and we need to support them. We need to unite and make sure that we're supporting them. Um, cause it, it is leaking out. I think it is making a difference. The more that, um, comes out, I mean, 
even with the the latest thing with Project Veritas exposing another uh, another CNN producer mm-hmm. that was um, targeting a minor. Uh, and then that person as a result, uh, resigning. So these things are making a difference. Um, so we just need to keep it up and, um, continue to be brave. And like, uh, you said it just unite. Like I, I continue to say, quit picking a side, quit being right versus left D versus R and just realize it's we, the people against the powerful elite. And we need to, we need to come together and so I, I, that's a, another struggle that I have as well. And a challenge I, I have as well is just how can I best get these messages out to bring unity? Because it's, it's, it's easy at this point to expose all of the corruption and the malfeasance. I mean, I do a, a, a compilation every week, I, you know, um, for the holidays I took off, but each and every week I have plenty of material, um, to fill like this, this segment I do called media malfeasance, where I just round up all of the worst actors in media, the retractions, um, the ways they did the story. And I, I basically make fun of it, but it's, it's a, a roundup of all the, the media malfeasance, you know, so people can see, and I'm never short of content. There's always plenty to tell people this is true journalism. This is what, what they messed up on this week. You know, um, but I also need to balance that with like, how do, how do I not turn people off with my passion? You know, how do, how do I extend that olive branch so that I can actually reach people and not just be like, see, you're being deceived. (laughs) Like I've got the documents, I've got the evidence, this is the truth. And that's how you're being deceived because obviously that can be off putting as well. So it's, it's tricky. It's like, how do we best effectively reach people to show them that, that they've been hypnotized or deceived, but do it in a, in a gentle enough way to actually reach them. Well, you're doing great, Christy. And <laughs> just, just keep your authentic self and true to your, what intuitively you can feel. And, you know, and as, as Steve said, we are just, we just have to be aware that there's so many distractions and we think that's the hope. We think that's the solution, but ease up and use our discernment and good judgment. So Christy, any more announcement for the viewers and just tell them again where to reach you, although it's here in the banner. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I'm just going to, I'm continuing to be given names of people that interview all the time. Um, so I'm going to be rounding up a lot more content. Like I said, since I was um, saying it, I do want to balance some of the bad news with more hope. So I am, I'm, I'm also seeking out um, inspiring and hope-filled stories that I can share to, to balance things out keep, keep people positive as we fight the tyranny, you know, um, and the evil. I think it's important to, to feed your mind with some good things. So I'm going to be doing more of that as well. Um, Dr. Robert Malone, my very first interview I did as an independent news person is being interviewed by Joe Rogan today. And I will be interviewing him him about what that was like tomorrow. So, um, keep an eye out. Um, I'll release mine after the, the Rogan is released. So you can keep an eye out for that. Um, I post everything to my website, easy to find, klim.news, which stands for Christy Lee Independent Media, klim.news, or you can do christyleetv.com, same website. And then, like I said before, I'm trying to get all of my content up on all of the many (laughs) other platforms, Rumble, BitChute, Gab, um, 
And like I said, I have others in the work I'm trying to get on. So if you, if you're a fan of a different one, tell me, tell me where I need to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And to you, Christy and to others, feel free to reach out to us, you know, and I know, uh, like Steve has a lot of resources. We could, he could easily send that to you if you need to do more research. Okay. Yeah, I'm fascinated with a lot of the stuff that was said. I'm constantly learning and and open to learning more. And yeah, that'd be great. Anything that you think I need to to know and be up on. And send anyone on our way so that we can keep providing the platform for many other, you know, people who want to speak the truth. Absolutely. Hey, Christy, just real quick before we go um, in waking people up. I mean, uh, I, I usually use government documents, but I also sometimes I start with fluoride and show them that fluoride is one of the top five toxic poisons. And I show them their toothpaste on the toothpaste. There's a poison warning. Wow. So like all right on your toothpaste. So I don't use fluoride toothpaste, but my point is I'm like, would, if people are willing to poison you and put it in the water supply, maybe they, they'd be willing to do these dirt, these things that you, you don't think are, are possible. So, because there is poison in the drinking water and it is in your toothpaste and it's in the food chain, but that's it. I'm signing off. Thank you. <laughs> and take care everyone. And uh, let's welcome the incoming year with all positivity and courage and patience and persistence and because we need to keep doing this. Yes. Thank you. yes. Very much. Thanks guys. Thank you.